You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, including the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at North Jake on Twitter here with you all on this Wednesday, a hump day here on Locked On Pelicans, but a lot of news still to come. We are going to tackle a number of topics in today's show. First and foremost, the unfortunate Kevin Durant injury for the Golden State Warriors. What's it mean for the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, though? As weird as it is to kind of talk about that in the wake of an awful injury, we still have to do it. So I'm going to let you guys know what I think there. Then the Pelicans had a conference call to introduce Swin Cash to the media. I was on there. I'll let you know what we heard from that. There's some interesting insight both into her role with the team and a bit of an update on the Anthony Davis front from that. And we're going to start looking at second round picks for next week's NBA draft lottery. I'm going to give you an idea of the type of player the Pelicans might be looking for. And the rest of the week, we can talk about specific names. But we're, again, just trying to set the stage for the mold that you want to fit with all of that. So a lot to dive into in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. All right. It was an unfortunate situation for Kevin Durant and that injury that he suffered in the game the other night against the Toronto Raptors. That's likely going to mean he has some sort of Achilles injury. That's kind of the early implications. And still, when I'm recording this, we don't know a ton of information on it yet, other than it's just likely that he's going to miss the entirety of next season or most likely will, and that it's some sort of torn or ruptured Achilles, what have you. It sucks. This is one of the best players in the league, and I never want to root for injuries. You should never want to root for injuries, but we do need to kind of talk about the implications that it can have on the Anthony Davis sweepstakes because, well, there are plenty. And first and foremost, as with anything that kind of leaks now about the Pelicans and Anthony Davis, whatever team you're a fan of, you're going to read into it in a positive way that helps your favorite team. If you're a Knicks fan, this is great. If you're a Lakers fan, this is good for you and bad for the Knicks and so on and so forth. And basically what that means is no one knows anything. But here's my read on the situation. I'll lay out both sides of it first. So the theory is that maybe this hurts the Knicks. Let's start there because that was a team that had really been banking on signing Kevin Durant. They were going to get KD. They were going to then maybe sign a second tier guy like Kemba Walker, let's say, and then maybe trade for Anthony Davis. And you can kind of kind of build a super team around those three guys. But now with no Durant coming there, it looks like the Knicks could kind of just get frozen out of free agency here. They cleared all the cap space to sign two max guys, but if one of them's not Durant, do you really want to sign two guys? Do you like do you want to sign Kemba Walker, who I actually love? I'd want to sign Kemba Walker, but do you want to sign Kemba Walker and Jimmy Butler to come play there? This is kind of what happened back in what was it, 2009, 2010, when they wanted to make a run at LeBron James, Wade, Bosch, and they ended up with Amari Stoudemire. They had some of their most, their best, most recent years there with him and Mello, but 
still, like, it, uh, you, you're overpaying a guy because you need to spend some of that money and appease your fan base. Or would it be better for them just to chill with the third overall pick and draft R.J. Barrett, save the space for 2020, and then make a run at a guy then and keep some of the young guys and maybe one or two of them develop? That's kind of one side of it. So it takes the Knicks out of the running for this. And if you think Kyrie Irving's going to leave and go to uh, uh, the Nets, well, then Boston's probably out of the running too. And it really leaves, of all the teams we've kind of heard listed and rumored for things, that the Lakers are in pole position for this, which means because these other teams aren't going to be making runs at Anthony Davis, or just say the Knicks are even out. One suitor's out of the running for Anthony Davis that the Lakers are in pole position now. And they probably have been for a little while because, well, you just lost a team. And it means the Lakers can lower their offer slightly for Anthony Davis. So all of a sudden, now the Lakers get AD and get him for giving up less. Not ideal if you're the Pelicans, ideal if you're the Lakers. And that's how you're reading this today because they're your favorite team. That's what you do. But you've got to also think about it this way. Durant was going to be a max level guy in free agency, maybe expected to leave that team. But all of a sudden now, these commodities, which we're looking at them through the lens of, which is kind of rough in the wake of the Kevin Durant injury, that we don't look at these players as human beings nearly as much as we should. But again, we've got to kind of talk about it like this. So all of a sudden, one of these commodities, it's fewer. It one's removed. So does that make a guy like Anthony Davis more valuable? Does it make a guy like Kemba Walker more valuable? You don't have control necessarily if Kemba Walker, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, or any of these free agents sign with you. You know, that's something you don't fully control. If you make the best trade package or trade offer for Anthony Davis, you control that and you get him there. And it puts you in the driver's seat for that if you have the best offer. And it kind of minimizes some of the noise and the uncertainty around free agency if you just go and trade for a guy instead. And that could mean that the Knicks are more desperate now because they weren't going to get Durant. They don't want to spend money on a guy like Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Kemba Walker, what have you. So maybe they're more inclined to trade for Anthony Davis to land that star player that they can build around for the future. And that could be the case here too. So it means the Lakers need to up their offer. The Knicks are still going to go hard. Well, then the Celtics don't want to kind of get left on the dance floor if all of a sudden the Knicks do become a bit of a powerhouse. So maybe they need to try and trade for Anthony Davis. And this could go either direction. And the answer is, as much as I want to kind of pick a side on this, I really don't know. You know, this is something that's kind of been up in the air, and I could see it making Anthony Davis more valuable. It should make Anthony Davis more valuable, and if I'm picking a side, that's probably what I'm picking. But it goes back to what I said, which is you're probably looking at this in a favorable light for your team. So we'll see, but this complicates an already complicated situation, whereas you can control the Anthony Davis trade situation. You cannot control some of the other stuff. So maybe it's in the best interest of these teams to try and trade for Anthony Davis, giving the Pelicans more leverage, making the offers better, meaning the return is going to be better. And that's only a good thing for the New Orleans Pelicans and David Griffin.
Before we get into the conference call to introduce the newest member of your Pelicans front office, Swin Cash, make sure you download the Himalaya podcast app and subscribe to Locked on Pelicans. There are a ton of podcasts out there in the world, and the Himalaya podcast app makes it easier to find the content you want to hear with their curated personal podcast playlist from a set of podcast tastemakers, making it easier than ever to find things that fit and match what you enjoy listening too. So go to your app store, download the Himalaya podcast app and subscribe to the Locked on Pelicans podcast. So breaking news here to Locked on Pelicans before we get to some of the things said in the conference call to introduce Swin Cash and that is confirmed per our friend Fletcher Mackle of WDSU, the first meal for Zion Williamson with the Pelicans staff in New Orleans was... Drum roll uh, here uh, at Commander's Palace. So I asked Rafael Esperanza, um, a professional bookie, about this here and what he kind of thought about this. He does it for a number of places, including it, my bookie. Um, what he thought some of the favorites were, he tweeted out a little bit earlier today some of the betting lines if he were to make them. And he's a professional odds maker here. Commanders was the favorite at plus 110, Doris Metropolitan plus 150, Desi Vegas at plus 200. That would have been where the sweet spot bet was, by the way. Clancy's plus 300, Emeralds plus 325, and then the field for plus 225. It was Commander's Palace. Dude is a professional odds maker, and I think you can see it right there. So that was our breaking news on the podcast here. I'm glad we kind of sussed that out. These are the things that I know you all want to hear about. The other thing you probably do want to hear about is some of the conference call stuff with Swin Cash being introduced as the new vice president of basketball operations slash team development here. That was yesterday morning to introduce her to everything. We talked a little bit about what we thought she was going to be doing yesterday and how basically there aren't specific job duties or responsibilities. They're just trying to get the best people in and kind of leave it at that. And we'll start with that because I think it's one of the more interesting things about this. And let me pull on what it was. It was Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights asked, basically, what are going to be some of your roles and responsibilities? And she says immediately, I'm definitely here to help in any way that I can. Uh, Okay. So she's not got one thing that she's working on, and she says, I'll have the ability to wear many hats. I'll have the ability to be in scouting. I'll have the ability to work alongside both Griff and Trajan, and we'll talk about scouting, and we'll talk about evaluation of our players on the court. I'll be able to work with our players in player development on the court and off the court. Really building the culture is important here, and I'm really excited about that piece because everyone I think Griff has brought in so far, the staff that's already already here and coach Gentry we know that's coming together we know that coming together as a team and a family that's what it's truly about so again this is about culture building and just getting the best people in and then let's figure it out after we get the best and brightest so this is really cool to see that he's made kind of a different type of hire that came from these two working on the NBA TV set together and Swin Cash had said that, you know, this has all kind of been a thing since before he took that job. Um, before David Griffin had taken that job, they've talked about working.
working together and what that could be like. So this is something that Griffin's kind of had in mind for quite a while. And so, yeah, very cool to see that he's kind of had his eye on her for a little while. She has a brief, maybe, hi- hiatus where she was working in the front office, but really only had about a month off since her career as a player ended. Other interesting things to note from this, I think, was that she said she definitely thought there was a perception that the Gail Benson and the Pel- or didn't really care about the Pelicans and that this was not kind of high on the priority list for her. But now that she's here, that is not the case whatsoever. And this, she realizes Gail Benson is all in and that this is something that she's excited to be a part of because they're going to have the bandwidth. That word is repeated every time you hear someone from the front office speak. They have the bandwidth to do whatever it is that they would like. So she fully believes in Gail Benson. And to start everything off, David Griffin spoke and said, you know, this is about Gail Benson's commitment and that it is absolute. And a big part of our goal here is to collect all of the best in class as we can in every area. David Griffin spoke to the type of people that he's hiring. Again, going back to that, just get people in the room and figure it out approach. And it was David Grubb of Crescent City Sports that said, is it like a Swiss army knife type of approach? And Griffin said, you know, you hit on it with the Swiss army knife versatility. You never know exactly what's going to be called for at any given time. So to have people that are as capable and high quality that we've been able to add to the staff is really important because every single point of contact in this franchise has to be part of driving us towards what we really care about and that's winning it's about winning the right way it's about winning in a way that reflects the ethos of our community and culturally that's powerful so I think one of the things that stands out to me about everyone we've hired and Swin is a great example of this winning is a frequency and you don't learn how to tune to it unless you've had to do it and Swin knows how to find that frequency they're looking to bring people into the front office who can just do whatever Yeah, Swin can scout, she can work with player development, she can help them off the court too. That's all important because maybe the season goes south and they need to start looking for other players in the future so you kind of pivot towards that a little bit. It's just an uh, unrigid approach to things that lets you pivot and move to whatever the greatest need is. And I think that's an awesome thing to build in the front office and what they're really looking to do. So at the end, towards the end of the press conference, Fletcher Mackle of WDSU, a good friend of the show and of mine here. Oh, they don't have it in all of that, do they? Uh, oh, no, they did. So Fletcher says, I'm going to read you his question because if you know him, I'm, I love Fletcher. I think this dude's awesome. Says, quote, subtlety has never been my strong suit, but I'll try to be subtle when I ask this question. Swin is obviously a huge hire today. Next week, you obviously have the draft and a huge draft pick coming up. Between now and then, do you anticipate another huge transaction coming? So he basically said, are you trading AD in the next week? And Griffin says, quote, I love how you preface that, Fletcher. Alvin Gentry just walked in the room and he was very appreciative of that as well. 
to to put some background on this, we all know Fletcher's, you know, excitable. Let's call him that. He's called for Alvin Gentry to be fired on multiple times, and Gentry doesn't care about any of that. He's totally cool with it all, and he and Fletcher have a really good relationship, and he often makes fun of Fletcher in a very fun, positive way. They really get along and like each other, too. So for him to preface this with, subtlety has never been my strong suit, and Alvin Gentry walks in and hears that and basically was like, Yeah, not your strong suit, but it's okay. We still like you. Besides the point, just some background on all of that. So Griffin goes on to say, I don't anticipate anything of major significance other than the meeting with Zion Williamson and his family. I never anticipate things. I'm open-minded. I think we all are. There's a point at which we act. If things evolve in such a way that it's time for us to make a decision relative to Anthony Davis or any other part of the organization, we will. But we're not in a hurry to do anything and we don't feel there's a time sensitivity to anything that we're talking about. And that includes AD's desire to stay or not. It's not something there's a shot clock on. End quote. Okay, this is where you can read into it multiple ways. This could be uh, David Griffin posturing and saying, look, we're not in a rush. We're going to trade him when the right deal emerges, and maybe that means we keep him past the draft and all of that. But he's also giving himself room to not have to be stuck to that comment saying, you know, if things evolve in such a way that it's time for make a, for us to make a decision, then we will. The much ado about nothing with this. I tweeted out the part of there's not it's not something there's a shot clock on, which I think sent waves among Celtics Twitter being like, we have a chance. Yeah, you still do. But also, you know, they might decide they want to act on it earlier. So there's nothing either in a positive or negative way for anybody with this. It just is kind of noise when it comes to that. Um, certainly things could evolve and escalate very quickly over the next day or two. Woj was on SportsCenter uh, saying he still thinks they want to get a deal done by the weekend. So we will see. It's either posturing or he means it, or maybe he does and doesn't, and it's all a bunch of noise. And you can read into it how you want. Cool thing, though, was Swin Cash introduced. Sounds like she's going to be a great addition to this franchise, to the front office. Also, always nice to hear more people reiterate that Gail Benson really wants this to succeed. So good on the Pelicans for this hire and everything going on with the team right now. The Locked On NBA Mock Draft starting today. Make sure you tune into the Locked On NBA channel. We are making our picks one through six. We're going to be doing six picks a day for the next five days. Know what all of these teams are looking for? Know a little bit more about the players that are going to be selected in the first round. Also, what other needs are there? Does a team maybe need to make a trade, say, for Anthony Davis, like I did with the Celtics? But there were some other deals in place, too, that add some color to all the goings-on around the league. So download the Himalaya Podcast app and subscribe to the Locked On NBA Podcast just in time for our third annual mock draft. Okay, second round. I wanted to dive a little bit more into this today, but the past two segments kind of became a little bit more important. We'll talk more about specific players the remainder of the week because next week I do want to focus more on first round prospects and we'll just do some scouting reports on a lot of those guys. So what are the Pelicans looking for in the second round with two picks in the final 30 picks of the draft? It's an interesting spot because second round picks not horribly valuable. The Pelicans have been collecting them over the past year, and you've seen some very good players start to come out of there. So with the 57th pick and the 39th pick, who might they be looking to take, or what's the kind of mold of the player? 
the past couple of years, they've gone for blue chip guys who just, you know, had a unfortunate for whatever reason, for whether it's injury or just bad play at times, uh, unfortunate first season in college and go after that guy because the upside on them is huge. They are untested. They probably take a little bit longer to develop, but the upside is absolutely there for them to usually be starters in the league. And if they had slightly better years, they would have gone number one overall or not number one overall, but they would have gone in the first round. And I think you still look for that. I actually think that approach is pretty safe and you can find some very good players in that mold who kind of do have that, that are kind of the biggest, maybe not boom or bust, but the biggest boom type of prospects. It likely requires trading up. I don't know if you're going to get one of those guys at 39. You likely need to be in some point somewhere between 31 and 38, I guess, is really where you want to put it. But usually at the top of the second round is where you see a lot of those guys go. The other aspect could be to take guys who've been in college a little bit longer. This is when you look for maybe a junior or a senior, a guy who took a little bit longer to develop, who might be a little bit more NBA ready, and someone who has a very clear, at the moment, discernible NBA skill. There's a number of guys in this draft that really do fit that. You can also look for position of need a little bit more, maybe on the wing in the second round than you would otherwise. And if you can get a guy who can be just a rotation player for doing one thing, whether it's rebounding, shooting, that's the dream, anything else, passing, what have you, it's useful in the second round to have someone that just kind of plugs a hole that isn't necessarily going to be on the team very, very long term and whose ceiling is being a role player, but there's still a lot of value of that. I'm also a big fan of just go and get a damn score in the second round, and there's a couple guys that could fit that mold too. Someone who can go out and just get you buckets, a guy like Carson Edwards kind of jumps to mind with that, Um, especially when you saw him during the NCAA tournament, drop some other names on you later in the week, but a guy that fits in the mold of that, you know, maybe they're a little bit undersized and they don't get drafted highly because of that, but that's okay because you're just looking for them to get you 10 points off the bench and nothing more than that. And who cares what their size is if that's really what you're looking for. I think those are kind of the three things you're looking for. Guy with discernible NBA skills, whether it's defense, rebounding, passing, what have you, or a guy with just a high, high ceiling that for whatever reason had a down one year in college, or go with just the dude that can get you some buckets. I think those are kind of the three ways you want to go about this because all three have value added to the team. I don't really see a draft and stash happening here. You know, I don't necessarily see a guy who is a sophomore, you know, necessarily junior kind of depends a little bit, but usually sophomores kind of are a little bit interesting in terms of the NBA draft in the second round. So we're going to see where things go. That's going to be what they're probably looking for. And later in the week, we'll dive into some more specific names because that's really where a lot of the fun comes from. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, download the Himalaya podcast app. Subscribe to the Locked on Pelicans podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.